Hello, dog fans, and welcome back to the Dog Pack Podcast. This is Preston Dunyon, your host, and I'm thrilled to have you aboard with me today as we talk about the latest and greatest thrillers and husky night games. We got fan submissions on this one. It was a ton of fun to hear everyone's perspective on their favorite Dogs After Dark memories, and oh boy, do we have a whole lot of them. So we'll run through everything through the past three decades of Husky Classics played in the dark. We've got everything for all of our fall sports. It's going to be a ton of fun. Glad to have you on board. So sit back, listen, and go dogs. The Original Night Game September 19th, 1992 the 11th-ranked Nebraska Cornhuskers head to Husky Stadium to play in the first night game in the history of the greatest setting in college football. The Dogs are ranked number two in the nation coming off of their national championship season, and they are playing in front of a raucous crowd of dogs. It's going to be a great night. 73,333 are in attendance for this one, the largest game the, the largest attendance for a non-conference game in Husky Stadium history. This was a fight between teams that hated each other and had claims to being one of the best, to being the best programs in the 1990s, and it looked like a real good fight out of the gates. The Dogs held a 9-7 lead with a minute 22 to go in the first half, but quickly that became a 23-7 lead, and it was over from there. The Huskies never let up and won the game 29-14. That was the 17th straight win for the Huskies, and the dogs were barking in this one. As one of our fans said on Twitter, the student section was packed to double capacity. People were standing on the rows and the benches. It was crazy, and the noise absolutely uh, proves the fact that it was a poppin' venue that night. 133.6 was the decibel level recorded in Husky Stadium that night which is well above the threshold of pain and still holds the record for the loudest recorded volume in a college football stadium in the history of the sport. This is truly one of the great night games in Husky history. I'm so glad this one was submitted. I had a ton of fun revisiting articles from uh, newspapers in Omaha talking about, oh, the Cornhuskers lost this one, but Oh, what fun it was to be on the winning side of that one. This is a great in Husky history, and it set the precedent for a lot of fun games after dark at the greatest setting. We now step away from football to take a look at a game that I've dubbed a send-off fit for a legend. Friday, November 8th, 2019, the Husky women's soccer team is closing out their season with a home finale against our rivals to the east, the Washington State Cougars. Wazoo headed into this game ranked 24th in the nation, and the Huskies had had an up-and-down season, being ranked at times themselves, but looking uphill at the Cougars here in this one. Under a full moon, the game got underway, but not before a few great festivities set a special mood at Husky Soccer Stadium that night. The festivities, of course, were for head coach Leslie Gallimore, who was hanging it up after 26 incredible seasons at the helm of the Husky soccer program. Her number 26 was retired on a jersey plaque that stands behind the Husky goal towards Lake Washington and will sit there forever, commemorating her 26 incredible years at the head of the program. 
it felt special. I was in attendance that night, I was working the game from the marketing booth, and you could just feel that the energy was right for something special to happen and to send Coach Gallimore off with a fantastic final home win. Well, it wasn't going to be easy, and it never looked easy. For 82 painstaking minutes, the game sat at a 0-0 deadlock, and everyone feared overtime. But overtime wasn't necessary. What was necessary was a little bit of action from Summer Yates. Summer Yates hit a penalty kick to seal the win with a goal in the 82nd minute. Those last eight were scary, but they passed without a Cougar goal, and the Dogs were Apple Cup champions for the first time in 15 years. This big win absolutely helped the Huskies seal their tournament bid, which they started off with a home win against Seattle U and never looked back. It was an absolutely thrilling conclusion to a great season from our Husky soccer team. I had a ton of fun being there. The field was stormed after the game. A ton of great program alumni were in attendance. It was absolutely the best way to send off a great, great coach. We are so excited to continue to watch the Huskies succeed on the field at Husky Soccer Stadium whenever they start up again. We know it'll be soon. We've got a great new head coach in charge. But oh boy, was that a great finale to the regular season of 2019. Thursday night at the Coliseum. October 8th, 2015, the Huskies head to LA Memorial Coliseum to take on the number 17 ranked USC Trojans. This was an up and down year for the Huskies at this point in the season. They were sitting two and two and breaking in a freshman core including Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin, a duo that would lead the Huskies to a Rose Bowl in their final season. But again, they were young guys. This was a very early test for a young program. On a Thursday night, the Huskies wore black helmets, white jerseys, black pants, a combo I haven't seen since, and it was a special combo that night. This was the first time the Huskies would face Steve Sarkeesian's Trojans since he had left the program in December of 2013, opening the door for Chris Peterson to take the head coaching position and lead the dogs. The UW did have the last laugh, though, and I will note here that the players were quoted in the ESPN article insisting they took no personal pleasure in beating the coach who left them for USC two years ago. I, as a fan, felt a little differently, and I'm sure many of you Husky fans did as well. There was something extra sweet about beating Sark in the Coliseum, and beat them they did. This was the first ranked win under Coach Pete, and it was an early classic from Miles Gaskin, who had 134 yards and one touchdown. The final score was 17-12 to in the Coliseum, and that was a great October 8th win. It might not have anything on the October 8th win from the following year, a 70-21 to romp over the Ducks at Autzen, but I digress. This was an incredible showing of what the Huskies could be in the future, and I think it was one of the real breakout games for this core that led the Dogs to so many victories over their four years. We now step away from football and forward one year in the calendar to Halloween Eve 2016. The Husky men's soccer program was on the road October 30th, facing a tough Stanford program in the pouring rain. Well, rain's a pretty familiar element for the Huskies at home, but they were the road team this time. 
It took overtime, but the dogs got the job done, winning 1-0 with a Justin Schmidt goal in the 91st minute. Talk about a quick overtime. Putting Stanford out of their misery, the Huskies won that one and gave Stanford some really tough records to live with. They had not yet lost a conference game that season, and they hadn't lost at home in nearly two years. But the field there in Palo Alto was purple, and so was the rain that was falling. It was a great win, and over the coming years, we saw the Husky program flourish into the great team that they are today, being ranked number one for portions of the past season and making a great run in the NCAA tournament. 2020 is another year where we expect great things from the dogs on the soccer field, and we can't wait to see them in action again soon. The Immaculate Interception October 10th, 2009. Dogs versus Cats at Husky Stadium. That's right, the Arizona Wildcats are in town to take on the Huskies, and this was just another home game in a season full of craziness at the greatest setting. The Dogs had already knocked off the number three Trojans early on in the season, 16-13, behind a boot from Eric Folk to seal the deal with a field goal at the very, very end of that game. So, how could anything be crazier than that at Husky Stadium? Well, a night game in October sets the scene for something thrilling, right? So, the Huskies are in trouble here. Jake Locker hits Cavario Middleton for a 25-yard touchdown with 2.55 remaining, and a 12-point Wildcats lead is trimmed to only five. But again, we're under three minutes to go on the clock. Things are looking grim for the Huskies. Nick Foles leading the Wildcats, yes, that same Nick Foles who beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, trots out with his Wildcats, and if we think about that with hindsight, it doesn't look good for the Huskies. Nick Foles is pretty clutch in the NFL, but spoiler alert, he can't get it done against the Dogs. Seems to be a tripping point for a lot of semi-successful NFL quarterbacks, <laughs> Gardner Minshew, um, but I digress again. So, Nick Foles' Wildcats trot out onto the field after that Husky touchdown to trim the lead to five, and they do what they've done all night successfully. They throw a screen pass. Unfortunately for Nick Foles, though, this ball was a little low, and instead of hitting Delashawn Dean in the hands, it hits his foot. And the ball proceeded to bounce off of his left foot and into the waiting arms of Husky linebacker Mason Foster, who housed that perfectly placed ball. All of a sudden, the Wildcats' five-point lead was out the window, and in came a Husky one-point lead. So, what do you do in that situation? You run it down their throats. And by run, I mean pass. A Jake locker Jermaine curse connection gave the Huskies the two-point conversion, and all of a sudden, the dogs were up by three, 36-33. Of course, we still have a two-plus minutes on the clock, so the defense would have to do its job, and as the Husky defense tends to do, they did their job. Thanks in particular to Desmond Trufant, who had a spectacular fourth-down interception that totally put the Wildcats out of range and sealed this crazy final-closing-minutes comeback for the Dogs. 2009 was a season of incredible crazy games for the Huskies, and this might be the craziest. If you watch the replay of that play, Mason Foster's pick, it, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Some people call it the Motlake Miracle. I've seen all kinds of names for it, and it's absolutely one of those plays that's so famous it deserves a name. I'd love to hear what you call it uh, personally, but this one's so fun. 
you could never have predicted this, but seems like somebody was rooting for the Huskies that had a little power over that game. I don't know who, but man, that was something else. Out for the kills. September 20th, 2018. The 13th-ranked Husky Volleyball program is set to start their season against number 22 Wazoo in a Pac-12 opener that will absolutely set the standings for the months to come. This game showed incredible grit, and if you were there, I'm jealous. I am sad I missed out on this one because holy smokes was it a show. The Huskies, the higher-ranked team, rolled out to a 2-0 lead after 25-18 and 25-17 wins in set 1-2. They looked to be in control. But unfortunately, the Cougs weren't going out down without a fight, and fight back they did. Wazoo rallied back to force a 15-point fifth set after winning sets 3 and 4, including a 25-16 win in that fourth set. The Dogs looked down for the count, but... That was from the outside. On the inside, it was all confidence and all grit to get the job done. As Coach Keegan Cook said, I told them the fourth set doesn't matter. It's one set to 15, and we have enough good plays in us to win it. And win it, they did. The Huskies clinched that fifth set 15-9 and won their Pac-12 opener. It was a great start to a conference season and an overall season that was very successful for the Huskies, and we've seen them continue to succeed in not only 2018, but 2019, and we cannot wait to see them again in 2020. This program is set to continue to climb to prominence in the sport. Um, an Elite Eight run last year was fantastic, and we cannot wait to see them back in the tournament again real soon. The Purple People Eaters October 7th, 2017. I want to first apologize for that name. I only use it because the Huskies trotted out in all purple uniforms, including those beautiful purple chrome helmets that we have not seen since as a full set. So maybe we'll see those back under Adidas. Who knows? Uh, as of today, those new black alternate uniforms were released. I'm so excited to see those on the field. They look incredible. The three-stripe life is treating us right. But back to the game at hand. October 7th, 2017, number 6 UW takes on Cal at Husky Stadium. We look good and we play good. That's how the saying goes, and it worked out in this one. Jake Browning threw two touchdowns and ran for one in this blowout victory. Uh, Hunter Bryant was a freshman and had a real breakout game in this one with nine catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Can you imagine not knowing the name Hunter Bryant? Now he's in the NFL. It's fun to look back on these times when a lot of our great dogs were just getting started, and now we see them in the NFL making great performances, some of them that hurt our feelings as Seattle sports fans. I'm looking at you, Buda Baker and Byron Murphy, after tonight, um, but I'm just in my feels. Back to this game. Miles Gaskin capitalized on two drives with seven and eight-yard touchdown runs, and the offense looked great. 38 points, cannot deny that's a good showing, but let's focus on that seven that Cal posted. The dogs ate Cal alive. That's where the people eaters part comes in. They held them to 46 total yards in the first half and only 93 at the end of the game, which is the fifth fewest in program history. Now, a lot of those points, uh, or a lot of those yards for Cal were taken away at the end. The 93 was a little bit bigger, but they lost 41 
on a botched snap towards the end of the game. But it still counts no matter what. This was a thorough demolition of the Bears, and I'm really hopeful that we can repeat October 7th on November 7th in just a few weeks when we head down to Cal Berkeley Memorial Stadium. The Bears, they've got something coming. Let's give it to them. Up next, we have the Stanford Trilogy. These were all recommended games, and they all came against the same Pac-12 North opponent. It seems we always have impressive, exciting, thrilling games against the Cardinal, so I'm going to talk about three of them, 2012, 2016, and 2018. First, September 27, 2012, the Stunner at the Clink. Now, the Huskies were waiting for a renovation of Husky Stadium and playing their games at the Seahawks CenturyLink Stadium, so the venue was a little different, but the game was still the same. In this one, if you listen to the radio broadcast, um, Bob Rondo tells the story of the past few years pretty bluntly at the beginning of the game. He, he lays it out there. This has been a reversal of roles historically. Stanford is a program that the Huskies had beat on pretty consistently for years. And then, all of a sudden, they were at the forefront of national prominence. In this game, they were ranked 8th in the nation. At the same time, the Huskies were only a few years removed from the lowest of lows that the program has ever faced and were clawing their way back to national prominence after being one of the great teams in college football. So, after four straight embarrassing losses to the Cardinal, this home game held a lot of meaning. And on this September night, things were quite interesting. If you're a defensive fan, of course. The game started with a Stanford field goal pretty early on, and the Huskies matched that towards the end of the first quarter. And another Stanford field goal late in the second quarter made this a thrilling, barn-burning 6-3 game at the half. Obviously, the way the past few games had gone, Stanford seemed in control. They were playing their game. It was a defensive battle. Things felt all right at halftime. Not too much lean either way, but maybe favoring Stanford. Well, the third quarter played out largely the same. Things were pretty much leaning Stanford, but pretty dull on the offensive side of things. And in fact, the Stanford touchdown that broke the uh, scoring drought was a pick six. 40 yards by Trent Murphy off a of Keith Price pass, and all of a sudden Stanford was up 12-3. to the extra point made it a 10-point lead with 2.51 remaining in the third quarter. And I think a lot of us were thinking this is just another version of the same old outcome. Well, as I said in that volleyball game, the dogs looked down for the count, but they were not out. Not down and out indeed. Bishop Sankey ran 61 yards on the final play of the third quarter as time expired to make a 13-3 lead only 13-10. So, a lot of points in that third quarter relative to the rest of the game. We traded touchdowns, and all of a sudden we head into the third quarter with a three-point deficit. Well, that deficit held for a long time, and I was young, I watched this game on TV, but when you listen to the radio broadcast, you can feel the stress that this game is hanging in the balance for so many minutes in the fourth quarter. Something's got to give, right? Stanford's either going to pull away or the Huskies are going to tie it or they're going to claim the lead. Well, 10 excruciating minutes passed of this 13-10 to game until 
Two familiar names got the job done. Keith Price completed a screen pass to Kaysen Williams, who ran it 35 yards to the end zone for a Washington touchdown. And all of a sudden, the dogs were up. After the extra point by Travis Coons, it was 13-17 with 4.53 remaining. And that was all she wrote. This was a spectacular game for the Huskies, trying to claw back to national prominence, getting it done as an unranked team against number eight in the nation. Hard to beat that. Bishop Sankey had 144 yards and a touchdown in this game. And it was beautiful. The end result was beautiful. The game was ugly at times, but there were moments that were special. And the final score was a whole lot more special for us than it was for Stanford. Obviously, the dogs looked different in this one, wearing their blackout uniforms. And this was one of those games that kind of set the tone for the blackout uniforms being something special uh, for the program. They wore them in the Apple Cup that year. They wore them in uh, future games down the road. And we're going to see that blackout uniform come back in 2020. If this is what the blackout games look like, I want them all the time. But anyways, that's the first in the Stanford trilogy of the past decade. The second is a 2016 game also at Husky Stadium. We're sticking to the games at Husky Stadium because those in California just don't have the same atmosphere. We've had some good games down there, but uh, you got to fill the stadium. Anyways, September 30th, 2016, this is the pinpointed moment of the reemergence of the dogs. For the first time in a long time, there is a top 10 matchup at Husky Stadium with the number 10 Huskies taking on the number 7 Stanford Cardinal. Four years removed from that uh, stunner at CenturyLink, we are back in our venue, but some things are the same and some things are different. Stanford's still in the top 10, but the Huskies are there with them now. We've finally climbed back to the top of college football, but we're not on everybody's radar yet. This is the beginning of greatness. It's late September. We've played a slew of relatively unimpressive non-conference games. We had to prove it to the world that we meant business. And that's exactly what we did. By halftime, the score was 23-0 to and the world was put on notice. At that point, ESPN's projections gave the Huskies a 98.4% chance of winning. At halftime, this thing was out of hand. Well, how do we do it? 424 offensive yards tells a whole lot of the story, led by a century of yards by Miles Gaskin, three touchdowns from Jake, and a whole crew of others. Dante Pettis got involved. Aaron Fuller got involved. This was the whole crew showing out and showing off. The attendance on that one was a Friday night sellout. Can you imagine? Friday night, 72,000 fans screaming in Husky Stadium, watching as the dogs turn the corner towards a brighter and better future for the program. And brighter and better indeed was that season. The Huskies made the college football playoff in 2016, and they never looked back. Back-to-back-to-back college football uh, playoff bowls and... A Rose Bowl appearance, a Fiesta Bowl appearance, a Peach Bowl appearance in those three consecutive years. This game against Stanford, as far as I see it, was the first game that the world realized the dogs are back in business. So that was a really, really fun one. And uh, if you see the trend here, 2012, 2016, you'd think we jumped to 2020. And I am really, really excited about this uh, Stanford home game in 2020. But the last home game we played against the Cardinal was 2018. And, you know, it seemed to be skipping four years, but 
really every game against these guys from the Bay Area is pretty good. The all-time record between the two teams is tied over 80-plus games. So you realize this is a rivalry uh, more than you might think in individual games. But back to 2018, November 4th, and Miles Gaskin's been out for two weeks, but the Huskies are teeter- teetering on the blink, uh, excuse me, teetering on the brink of trouble in the season. They're six and three. We need Miles back, and he comes back and gives 148 yards, and that's great. But the real hero on this night is Taylor Rapp. Why? I'll get back to that. The UW led 21-0 at halftime. It looked like 2016 all over again. But then, all of a sudden, things got ugly in the second half, and Stanford roared back to life, and all of a sudden, this is the situation that our defense faced. I want you to close your eyes and imagine being on the field at Husky Stadium in the defense's position right now, all right? This might be stressful, but give it a shot. Stanford ball, they're down by four with two minutes on the clock. All of a sudden, they're on the Husky 34-yard line, down by four again. They need a touchdown, but they are deep in Husky territory. Three seconds left on the clock. Chris Peterson calls a timeout, rallies the troops on the sideline, calls them together to figure out what they're going to do to stop this last play. One play for all the glory in a rivalry that's underrated but very significant in the Pac-12 power grasp. Power struggle, excuse me. The Huskies emerge from the timeout. I was in the student section. I was there in the dog pack, front few rows, and I kind of thought I might die in that moment. The stress was killing me. It was overwhelming to watch the team have to put together one last stop. And Stanford had drove the field. It didn't look great. It really didn't. But all of a sudden, three seconds left, a hero was born. That hero was already a hero, but he cemented his legacy, Taylor Rapp. In the northeast corner of the end zone, he picks off the Stanford quarterback in the end zone to seal the deal. The Huskies win that one 27-23 in a cardiac killer thriller. Beautiful victory. Stanford's back in our house in 2020. We got to show them we mean business. That's in a couple weeks. We're looking forward to talking that through and breaking it down as it comes up and after it's over. But until then, I leave you with the excellent Stanford trilogy of 2012, 2016, and 2018. Three great Husky victories, all under the lights. We'll see what's next. That is all I have for you today. I know this is a short episode, but I hope you enjoyed breaking down some of these great Husky football and uh, volleyball and soccer moments because our fall sports have brought us a ton of them over the past years. I have been so lucky to attend the university during these great times of success for all these fall sports, and uh, there's no reason to believe that won't continue in the near future. We've got a lot to look forward to, so hold on, stay safe, stay home, stay masked up, and of course, it's October, and we're getting towards the end of your chance to do it. Do vote. Use your voice. Take advantage of it. That's my advice to you. Thank you so much for listening today. Good night, and go dogs.